Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good morning, beloved family. I'm thrilled to be with you on the Station of the Cross and live streaming through the Station of the Cross and LiveSite News and their Facebook pages. Um, I, I'm normally not on Facebook, uh, but uh, I've been told there's just t- tons of comments and from all over the country. Uh, I don't even know how many states, but from all over. Very wonderful, encouraging comments. Um, I want to begin today not with a, um, a normal subject for the first half hour as we normally do, but um, we had yesterday, which I could not get to, um, because if I start today, I'm going to change the subject, I'm going to go on to something else, um, and it really is the matter of truth that I want to discuss. It is the um, um, the the paper the document uh, written by um, Cardinal Burke and the three magnificent bishops from Pakistan um, uh, titled Declaration of the Truths Relating to Some of the Most Common Errors in the Life of the Church of Our Time. And I said yesterday, we can do, uh, we feel helpless against the evil and the apostasy um, and the wrong teaching and the confusion and, and I'd say many cases, deliberate confusion and false teaching in the church. We feel helpless. And what I was suggesting yesterday is that the thing we can do is simply to live the faith, live as if it is true. I said that several times. If I have one weakness, except that I've got a hundred, it's repeating myself too often. But I did repeat that. I don't think we can urge one another to speak, but to live the truth. And um, yesterday, we had an email. Let me see if I have it here. Hold on. Um, One second. Um, This is the email that I read yesterday. Um, An email from somebody who wrote, wrote in anonymously. And she said, in fact, I was unhappy with more than one of my answers yesterday. And um, I grieved about them last night. I normally don't listen to myself again, but because it was the first program streamed live, I wanted to see what was happening, so I did. And I I want to change some things I said yesterday, not because, um, how do I say, um, I said something, um, how do I, it's not so much doctrinal error, though I think it falls under that, it is, um, it's a change of thought. I, I think I had a conversion, and I'm going to pass it on to you. Um, and I'll tell you how. Um, I just think this is so, so, so crucial. The email came in from someone who wrote in anonymously and said, My husband, our toddler, and I are going to be flying to visit his parents who are ex-Catholics, 
and whose father is a pastor. My husband asked me that if they chose to hold church service at their house this weekend, will I attend? I said no, and he was not happy and accused me of being wrong and rude. Am I wrong in not wanting to be at a non-Catholic Christian home service and make our toddler be present as well? Please advise. God bless you. Anonymous. Well, we had somebody that we couldn't get to yesterday also. Um, Well, no, actually, this was a comment from Facebook on that question. Someone who said, whoever wrote in anonymously must be able to fulfill her Sunday obligation, though, right? And of course that's right. Uh, You will never fill a Sunday obligation by going to a Protestant uh, service. Never, never, never. You must be at a Catholic Mass. Um, But you know what? Um, my my full thinking cap wasn't there, and I hope it's uh, there in greater measure today. But we go to Mass daily, and it, it didn't occur to me at the time that it would be a Sunday Mass, which is crazy on my part. I was an evangelical for 18 years trying to save Catholics. I should should have understood it's a weekend, and it's a Mass. Rather, it's a service in a home. Of course it's Sunday service. And my answer would have been a little different if I realized it was Sunday, but I don't think it would have been very different. I think I would have suggested that the family, definitely, whether it's Saturday night or a different time on Sunday, go to the Catholic Church. There's no question. And then out of compassion and a certain respect and a certain desire to evangelize the parents, um, uh, to go ahead and and attend the service in the home as well without receiving communion if it would be distributed. I'm very wrong. I'm very, very wrong in that. You know, my, um, my heart, um, when this uh, religious order began under Cardinal Burke, he was Archbishop Burke of St. Louis then, I said to him, I'm not sure if it's a psychological problem on my part or a calling, but I live 24-7 to put my arms around the whole world. And wherever I am, I say, well, I'm here. Now I'm here in Tulsa. What about the people in Ohio? What about the people in India? What about, and if I were in India, I'd say, what about the people there or here? Or, you know, as if I'm the Messiah to save the whole world. It's, it's ridiculous. And Cardinal Burke looked at me and smiled, and he said, I think it's a calling. Well, uh, I, I pray it is. Um but I so live to put my arms around the world and want to reach out to people in any way that will bring them to Christ and to his church. And I think of our Lord's example, who became one of us, who entered into our fallen world and into from his own people to the Jewish people who were not living God's law. They may have been keeping it externally, but their hearts were far from him. Not all of them but they're leaders, and, and for great part. Um, and um, Jesus did not come, he came to bring them to God, but he did not come to attend their fallen ways, but to bring truth into it to save them. Um, and my answer yesterday to that uh, good mother who wrote was, go ahead and attend your Tell your husband that you hadn't thought it through and you apologize for making a decision so quickly and you will attend the Protestant service. Um, 
And I want to tell you, dear mother, and anybody, everyone listening, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's the always, it's the way I've gone out of compassion. But I need to say, beloved, it's a misplaced compassion. It holds compassion for the people, even in a desire for them to come to the full measure of the truth against who God is, against God's reverence and um, the reverence and the honor do him. And I got an email from a Father Peter, Le- no, it, it wasn't, it was a Facebook comment um, from Father Peter LeMay. And if the dear father is listening, I, I pray you won't mind. It's on Facebook, so I, I think you, you certainly intended it to be public. I don't know where you live, but I want to read this in full. Um, father wrote, sorry, but I respectfully disagree with the good sister who thinks it is okay for a mother to expose her children with Protestant-inspired books. The real danger of doing this is that it might put some anti-Catholic thoughts and sentiments into young minds and later lead them to leave the Catholic Church and join up with a Protestant sect. And I interrupt my reading of this just to say that I recall that the, the woman here writing said that her husband's parents were ex They weren't simply Protestants, but they were ex-Catholics. So I'm going to continue with Father's email. As a priest, then, I hope and pray that any listeners to this radio program and to what Mother Miriam has suggested will reconsider that imprudent advice. And I'm going to say, now, dear Father, I pray the same thing. Everyone, listen to Father LeMay's advice right now and reconsider that imprudent advice of mine. It came from my heart, but it was misplaced. It was placed on the love of people rather than a higher love for their souls and for God, who who is truth. And Father said, I also disagree with her, with me, in suggesting that it is okay for a Catholic mother and her child to attend a non-Catholic service. The mere attendance at such a service is in reality an indirect confinement of such a religious service. This mentality of accepting such an idea is really modernism. And I tell you, I was, dear Father, kind of cut to the quick when I read this. Father says, it is modernism in practice, which was condemned by the Church, by Pope St. Pius X. This false concept, and all religions that have some degree, this false concept that all religions have some degree of truth is a natural consequence or fruit of modernism. Therefore, we should be aware of heretical beliefs and false statements today as a result of the spirit of Vatican II. Now, Father LeMay, if you are watching or listening, um, I want to tell you that if I were looking for a spiritual director, I would take you on. I can't thank, cannot thank God enough for you and your good comment, your holy priesthood, your love for the church. I bless God for you. You have had a, he has used you as an instrument to penetrate my heart and get clarity and, sh- and to show me, beloved, to show me that my priorities are misplaced. I will do anything to help people 
come to God. And the thing I shouldn't do is put them before God. I have an example in my, uh, uh, I I hope it's okay, I'm going to make this public in my own family. Uh, My brother David uh, was Catholic 16 years before me, trying to save me, and I was trying to save him. I was an evangelical Protestant. And my sister had become Lutheran. Blessed be God that she had come to believe in Christ. But I would go to her when I visited her. I would go, of course, I would go to Catholic Mass, but on Sunday I would come to her Lutheran church because, again, in my mind, that was loving her. And I wanted to be involved in her life. And I wanted to give her support and have an opportunity to discuss the differences between her beliefs or Lutheran and Catholic beliefs, which I could have done without going to the service, but I just felt it was right before God out of love for her. My brother went initially also, and in time, he stopped going, and he finally said to my sister Susan, "Um, I can't do that anymore. I just can't do that. He invited her to come to Mass and not receive communion, and she was a bit offended by that, but um, he said, I just can't go anymore. I just can't go. It's not truth. It's not what God has done, and he couldn't go. Well, Uh, I was a little shocked at David, and I thought, oh, my goodness, David, can't you stand it for the sake of Susan, you know? And he said, no, it's not right. It's not what God has given. It's not truth. Well, I continue to go with Susan. And you know what? My going with her out of a misplaced so-called compassion, it didn't help her one bit. It did not help her come to the Catholic Church. It only validated where she was at. That's all it did to her. I hoped for other, but it didn't do that. My brother is the one that helped her much more by saying no. The differences are so great, I I can't go to what is false when I'm in what is true. I can't bear it. I can't bear it, and I'm not going to do that before God. And you know, I think more than anything else, my brother's decision, which I know is right now, is what brought my sister into the Catholic Church. And she came all the way into the Catholic Church three years ago. She died exactly on the anniversary, one-year anniversary, two years ago, of her coming into the Catholic Church. She died a wonderful Catholic with last rites and everything else. You see, I have that personal example, and I saw it in action. So Father LeMay I bless God for you. I bless him for your clarity, for your steadfastness, for your priesthood, and for your comment, for not just dismissing it, but putting that comment on Facebook. And God used that tremendously. I think he used you as an instrument to convert my heart yesterday. It went right through me very deeply. I think you're absolutely right. So, beloved, uh, the mother who... uh, uh, I told to go back and apologize to her husband uh, that she will attend the service uh, of his of his dad. If you did that, uh, I would urge you to go back and apologize again and say, honey, the person that counseled this has gone the other way because we need to honor God and, yes, not expose our baby to Protestantism. And the other thing is that your parents are ex-Catholics. They have to know how serious it is. They left the Catholic Church. We're in the church, and we know. You say, you have the service in your house. We'll find uh, a Catholic Mass 
and we'll be out of the house when you have that service, and we'll all come together for a big lunch, and it'll work out. Will the parents be offended? Yeah, they probably will. Will your husband be upset? He probably will. But you need to be Catholic. And you know, I'm so clear on this now, and it's painful. It's painful when you have mixed families and when you have, um, uh, even within your own house, uh, and you want to respect your in-laws and, and everything else, it's very painful. You want to put love. You consider it a sacrifice to go to the service. We need to start putting God first. And we need to know, I believe this with all my heart, I don't know if this is the end of the end times. I don't know if Jesus is coming soon or within the next 10 years, as many prophecies say. I'm not, I'm not telling you they say it. I'm not telling you to go and spend time on all those things. I'm talking about Our Lady of Fatima and Arquita and, and La Salette and, and Good Success, and there are others. Um, the world is dying without Christ. And we think as long as people are sincere they're going to be saved. It's wrong. That's not God's gospel. We've made that up out of a false, I guess the devil, uh, the father of lies, has made us comfortable in those lies. It's not truth. Jesus gave his life for the truth, to save us, not for us to attend heretical sects, S-E-C-T-S. Protestantism is heretical. If this was the time of the Reformation, uh, an anathema, they would be absolutely cursed, excommunicated from the church as heretical, every one of them. Now it's 500 plus years later. And so those who came into Christianity, as I did, through a form of Protestantism, they're not, um, let's say, of their own will being heretical. I never knew a thing about the Catholic Church when I became a Christian. I didn't even know I was a Protestant. I only embraced the Jewish Messiah and believed that he was God. But I didn't know about all the denominations and all, but I found out that the denominations are completely man-made. There's only one church that God established. In the Old Testament, it was Kahal, K-A-H-A-L is the way to spell it. It was the Hebrew word for assembly, God's people. And that word translated into Greek is ekklesia, the called out ones. We are God's people, not many forms. In the Old Testament, when people did their own thing, they were put to death. But they're being religious and they're trying. No, they were put to death. And we have an obligation, beloved, to the world. People are dying. People are inventing everything. And um, we have the truth. We have the truth. We can't compromise it. We can't say, well, they don't have the full truth, but they have the truth. No, they don't. There is no salvation apart from Christ and his church. The church has always taught that. So, again, Father LeMay, I am deeply, deeply grateful for you. And I'm trying to think there was another email yesterday um, of a woman who married... I, I, I recall it. Let me let me put the things together in my mind. A woman who married a non-Catholic Christian in the Catholic Church, and she said not, neither of them were formed. They really didn't know what they were doing, except they got married in the Catholic Church, so they called themselves Catholic. 
and that thereby agree to raise their children Catholic. And now they have one child, and the husband doesn't want the child raised Catholic, doesn't want to teach him Catholic things, and the mother doesn't know what to do about it. And I, again, was so soft and so all over the place. I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, And part of that confusion on the wife's part is that she knows the husband is supposed to be head of the house, and she said, how do I let him be that when he really won't raise the child Catholic? And I, I started the response by saying, you don't let a husband be be head of the house. God made him head of the house. It's his vocation, and you cannot interfere with that. But when God made men the head of the house, he told them that they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Ephesians chapter 5, how did he love the church? He laid down his life for her. And that's how a husband is to love his wife. And that is the love that every wife can submit to. So a husband can't lord it over his wife. And the wife is to submit to her husband, but she must not submit to him in any form of sin. She must not. And she made a vow with him to one another and to God at their marriage to raise their children Catholic. And if she submits to him in this, she is sinning. She is breaking her vow to God. She cannot. Never to break a vow to God and never to sin. And in this you cannot submit to your husband. You need to say to that very lovingly, Honey, I love you. We didn't know what we were doing when we got married, but we made that vow and we need to keep it. Otherwise, we stand before God. It's not a matter of our choice. We need to raise our child Catholic. And you need to keep your vow to God. So I, 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 I pray that from now on I will remember Father LeMay and uh, his excellent shepherding um, and truth and steadfastness and clarity. Um, he's very right. And... If we have wrong sympathies, beloved, we are not going to convert anybody. We will not convert anybody. Jesus came through the world and said, repent. That's turn, 180 degrees. Wherever you're doing now, turn from it completely and receive the gospel. That's what we say on Ash Wednesday. Repent and receive the gospel. Return to the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the Jewish Messiah coming to earth to be the savior of the entire world, every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Repent. And he came to the Jewish people. And, he, and they could have said to him, but you gave us the law. But you did this. This is of God. You can't tell us to turn from it. You see? But he was their fulfillment. And they didn't understand. And the law became for them, many of them, the leadership, many of them, simply external means. He said, you, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. We need to love God. We need to trust him. We need to follow him. And as I said yesterday, if you do, you will evangelize the world. If you compromise in absolutely nothing, you will evangelize the world. The, the family going to, uh, if I remember correctly, Salt Lake City wanted to know how to approach Mormons. I suggested a book from Catholic Answers. Um, uh, I suggested uh, non-compromising your faith. But you know what the solution is, beloved. The solution is knowing who we are and who God is. 
and then nobody will move you. You may not have all the answers. You need to get them. We need to know our faith. But don't fudge because you don't have all the answers. Don't fudge because of that. Be like Peter. I know whom I've believed. Um, I know whom I believed. And um, uh, who I, 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 is the wrong words. I've entrusted my life to him till the end of time. For all eternity, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the words there. Be confident in who you are. You are God's people. It's not a matter of religion. Religion is a wonderful word in God-giving, God-given. But it's a matter of identity. We are the people of God. We should not compromise. You know, if we went to, um, I said yesterday, if we were, if our parents were Satan worshipers or New Age, uh, it would be a different question. We attend their service. It'd be obviously, no, you don't attend that. But Protestantism, I even said Jewish services, Protestantism, we fudge because we think there's a lot of truth there. But you see, the devil is the father of lies, and the only way he gets us away from our faith to believe the lie is to have just enough truth in there that it seems okay for us to meddle in it. And then we are more than frogs in warm water who eventually boil to death. We will be lost. So, beloved, uh, there's our music for our first break. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. St. Aelred of Rivaux said, Charity may be a very short word, but with its tremendous meaning of pure love, it sums up man's entire relation to God and to his neighbor. A lasting way you can show charity to others is by remembering us in your will. If you've worked hard and have been blessed financially, consider leaving a bequest to the Station of the Cross. Please speak with your financial advisor or lawyer for more information. We also welcome you to contact us about a bequest so that we can help Catholic Radio continue spreading the love of God throughout our world. Call 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. 
Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we've got lots of time, a whole half hour for you to call in with anything on your heart. For those who are new with us, um, uh, I say every program, it doesn't have to be what we are speaking about, but the the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. You can call in or write or text or email uh, anonymously if you wish. Um, and the toll-free number, uh, as you, you just heard, I'll repeat it, um, to call or to text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, we also had a a, a, a call yesterday um, again that I responded to yesterday, but I wished to. Uh, we got a comment from it. Um, this is uh, a woman whose husband receives Holy Communion, but has not been to confession in over thirty years. She cannot make him go to confession, but she doesn't know what to do. Can you advise? And she told him uh, that he brings condemnation upon himself, according to St. Paul. Would you suggest for her to make reparation? She goes to adoration. I said yesterday, of course, we should always make reparation for our own sins and as much as we can for the sins of others. We pray here every day at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, to make reparation for the sins committed against the sacred and immaculate hearts every single day and the most chaste heart of Joseph. Every single day we pray for reparation against uh, for the sins committed against those hearts. Um, but I did say yesterday that um, it's very difficult to believe that her husband, especially if he won't go to confession, has been in a state of grace for 30 years and, of course, in receiving communion is, re- is, is committing sacrilege and um, uh, kind of mortal sin on top of mortal sin if he's in mortal sin. So, And I said yesterday, I can't judge that, but I have, and I suggested that she go to a priest um, and have the priest befriend him and some way bring him around to the church. And I don't take that back, even if his confession is poured out on a park bench. I don't take that back because I, I have wonderful models in John, uh, the Father Don Bosco and Philip Neary who would do such a thing. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, but the priest needs to reach out to that man. But I did get a comment or two that I'm wrong, that confession uh, is required once a year, even if there is no mortal sin. And um, I had learned otherwise, so I looked it up. And um, I want to say this, unfortunately, I was right. Um, It used to be that way, but the new code of Canon 1962 Missiles says so, but the new code of, the more recent code of Canon Law has changed that. And so I'll read this. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, after having attained the age of discretion, each of the faithful is bound by an obligation faithfully to confess serious sins at least once a year. Now we're talking about serious sins as mortal sins. 
That's uh, the Catechism number 1457, Catechism of the Catholic Church. That includes a footnote reference to the Code of Canon Law, which says, after having reached the age of discretion, each member of the faithful is obliged to confess faithfully his or her grave sins at least once a year. That's um, um, uh, the, the, the Catechism's uh, nine. 89, um, grave sins here means mortal sins. So accordingly, serious sins, all the same, grave, mortal, serious. Um, uh, Serious sins in the catechism are to be understood as mortal. Keep in mind that for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be met. Number one, grave matter must be serious, must be matter for mortal sin. Mortal means death. You, you, you separate yourself from God. Um, you must have full knowledge of that sin and that it will separate you from God and that you must have complete, complete consent so that you must, it must be serious, grave, grave matter. You must know how serious it is and you must do it of your own free will. You're not coerced, not out of fear, you're not drunk, drugged, that kind of thing. Your consent, that's, Catechism 1857, a sin of grave matter which lacks either of the other conditions is not a mortal sin. It's still grave. It's still serious, but it's not mortal, which means um, the accountability for mortal sin, if you're ignorant of it, is not yours uh, because you don't have full knowledge. If one of those three points is missing, it doesn't fit the requirements for mortal sin. Um, the Catechism explains, one commits venial sin when he disobeys the moral law in a grave matter, but without, see, he still commits grave sin, but it's venial if he doesn't have full knowledge or full consent. You see, I may, I'm going to throw out a crazy, commit adultery, yeah, and not me, but you may, um, and uh, I better not say not me, right? The, the scriptures say, uh, be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. So whatever the sin is. Um, but in some cultures that are less civilized, they're not, they're not aware of that. They're not aware of that. People that have abortion, uh, there's no excuse for a Catholic having an abortion and being ignorant of it. There's no excuse for that. But yet, they may be in another country, culture, I'm not excusing them, but God alone knows the heart. If they're not aware that it's mortal, if they don't have full knowledge, um, then they're not consenting to being severed from God. And it becomes venial, uh, even though it's still very grave matter. All right? Any Catholic that understands that abortion is against the law of God, the moral law of God, it's the teaching of the church, and they go and have an abortion um, or are forced by their parents to have an abortion. Uh, both the parents and that uh, child uh, are committing mortal sin. Um, and you say, well, if a child is forced by their parents, uh, no, there are, there are heroic saints who have been put to death for refusing to enter immoral acts. They refuse, even at the cost of their life. Um, so... Um, uh, there's a question there, and I'm looking at Catholic.com, Catholic Answers, 
And there's a question, is a Catholic required to go to confession at least once a year if he has not committed a mortal sin? And the answer is no, not at this point, no. Church law requires confession only of grave, that is, mortal sins, at least once a year. If a person has committed no mortal sins, he is not obligated to go to confession. And then the canon law 989 and 988 affirms that, states that. So, beloved, I know these are hard times where we're being reduced in our faith uh, too much, but... um, it's what the church teaches and we uh, we won't go beyond that in um, putting a burden on others um, call in toll free beloved with anything on your heart we have Jonathan on the line from Canada dear one I'll get to you as soon as we get back from the break one 511 or email You have options when it comes to finding out what shows we air throughout the day. Visit thestationofthecross.com or view our programming grid on iCatholic Radio. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. If you appreciate Catholic Radio and want to help in our evangelization efforts, making a transfer of stock is one of the most beneficial ways you can donate to the Station of the Cross. We accept stock transfers from your investment portfolio in support of our mission to bring Christ to others. And if you donate a gift of stock, know that you're not alone. Many people donate to charities by gifting stock. There are even substantial tax benefits for donating stock to a charity such as ours. Would you like to learn more about the possibility of gifting stock to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network? Please call us at 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. You can also visit us online at thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio. May God bless you and your family. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer honoring St. Barnabas. God our Father, you filled St. Barnabas with faith and the Holy Spirit and sent him to convert the nations. Help us to proclaim the gospel by word and deed. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. So happy to be with you. I say that every time because it's simply true. It's simply true. Um, I'm going to go back to your calls and emails, and we have a dear brother, Jonathan, from St. Catharines in Canada on the line. Are you there, Jonathan? Hello, Mother. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? 
Doing well, thank you. Good. I um, recently had a chance to talk to um, some other Christians uh, that came to the door, and um, we were we were speaking about some stuff, and uh, they uh, they use their Bible, of course, and uh, I know that there's some things that are significantly different, and um, we made reference to the Maccabees, and uh, they don't uh, they don't recognize the Maccabees, especially Second Maccabees. Um, and I talked to them about the miracle of the oil, and I didn't have a lot of Jewish people to reference on this, on how widely celebrated it is, but I know Hanukkah is um, it's a very esteemed celebration in the Jewish faith. And um, the importance of the Second Maccabees about the, uh, about the miracle of the oil, and um, they refuse to acknowledge that. Uh, they they mm. don't want anything to do with the Maccabees, and of course it's because um, it's about praying for the dead souls, uh, after the battle, yeah. um, and yet they couldn't deny the fact that the Jewish faith still actually practices Hanukkah, and it's in celebration of that. And I was yeah. just wondering if you could help me try to um, maybe to get a better argument for them to acknowledge that um, they said it was certain sects of the Jewish faith that recognized Hanukkah. That it was what um, the Jewish faith? They said it was that what? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't widely celebrated Hanukkah throughout the Jewish faith. Oh, really? Okay, well, I certainly celebrated it in Brooklyn growing up in my Jewish family. Hanukkah means dedication, and it was a feast that their own Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, celebrated, uh, John chapter 10. Um, It's the feast of dedication, and it's also known as the Festival of Lights, for the very reason you said, Jonathan, that um, uh, the miracle of the oil uh, lasted for eight days, um, and um, and so Hanukkah lasts for eight days, and there are eight candles on the uh, the menorah, and a, a middle candle lifted a little higher, called the shamas. It's the servant candle that lights the others. It's a celebration for eight days, and it was in the middle of Jerusalem with all the lights that Jesus came and said, "I am the light of the world." It's just magnificent. He celebrated it, so you can tell them that. Um, hang on just a minute. I want to get the, uh, um, it's John, uh, 10, um, verse 22. Hold on a second. Um, I want to get the verse, um, which says 22 and 23. Then came the feast of dedication in the new Testament at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade as a Jew Jesus most certainly would have participated in the Feast of Dedication. Um, the verse ends after Colonnade. Um, and so um, uh, I could tell you the whole story of, of, uh, of Hanukkah, of the Maccabees, and uh, the, the victory. But that is celebrated, uh, as far as I know, throughout the world. But if it's not... Uh, that, that is not to say that it wasn't a Jewish feast. There are many Jewish feasts. Purim, right. um, you know, many Jewish feasts uh, that are not uh, celebrated throughout the world. However, um, uh, our Lord did celebrate this one, and I think it's something to be acknowledged. Um, uh, Protestants, uh, ha- through Martin Luther threw those books out, through First and Second Maccabees, out with five others, at the Reformation, single-handedly, the books that were in the entire Old Testament. But our Lord had the Septuagint, and those books, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and those books were in there. It is uh, Martin Luther who threw them out. 
seven books plus parts of Daniel and Esther and uh, so forth, and eventually adopted the Jewish canon, uh, which doesn't have them in it because they eliminated what doesn't have an original Hebrew. There's other explanations as well, but um, uh, how do I say that? If if anyone uses uh, extra-biblical material, it is the Protestant churches, it is the Protestant churches. 20 commentaries to put a book together, to put a sermon together, commentaries from all over the place. And um, they look into the uh, customs of the time of Jesus. There are magnificent books of the, the customs of the Jewish people at the time of Jesus. So they can explain the scriptures. Historically, people take pilgrimages to Israel so the scriptures would come alive. They can see where it was. They can begin to get into the meaning of the scriptures even more. So even if Protestants don't accept those books as canonical, they're written at the time. They're historical records, even if they don't think they're aspired. Why throw them out? Simply because the Catholic Church believes they're in the canon. You see, that that's the reason they don't accept it. Because otherwise, they'd be grateful for such a historical book. And that was the significance of it, too. I said, if the Maccabees didn't liberate the temple, then how could Jesus, you know, seven years later almost um, perform and... and present and participate there like Good. It's a fundamental stepping stone and Good. they they don't know how to answer those questions because of course not as catholics they think we always go towards the reparation for souls that have been dead and that's an easy one for them to dismiss but when we use like when our understanding for the fact that jesus was jewish and he would have celebrated jewish holidays that's right they can't deny those facts uh and so i, I just needed the reference and, and i wasn't able to find it but i knew that uh you would be the place for that in so, yeah, john, john 10. chapter 10 verses 22 and 23 yes and um i'll tell you uh jonathan i grew up in my jewish home and we lit called yurtzeit candles for a whole week we lit and prayed candles no on the anniversary of the death every year a whole week to begin with after the death But the anniversary of that death, every year we lit memorial candles that burned for, I think, a week uh, or eight days, I I don't remember, um, and prayed for the dead. I have all my life. There's nothing Christian that doesn't come from Jewish roots. And there's nothing Catholic that doesn't come from Jewish roots. And and the heresies of all the Protestant sects come from Jewish roots and from the Catholic Church. But again... uh, Martin Luther and subsequent reformers simply did away with what, uh, for their own reasons, they didn't they didn't want. Well, it almost seems like this undermines the once saved, always saved. Uh, that if we're if we're saved just for saying that we are, then we would need to do this for the deceased, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Which undermines uh, their entire faith again, because if we don't need Christ and everything we do is is just on his mercy, then we never need to do any good acts and to to try to preserve ourselves and our souls, like you continuously encourage us to do. For the most part, not completely, for the most part, evangelical Protestantism, Protestantism does believe once saved, always saved. And you know, Jonathan, the Catholic Church also teaches that. One saved, all will save. But the Protestant teaches that the minute they ask, quote-unquote, Jesus into their heart, which is not in Scripture, that they're saved, and no matter what they do after that, they're saved. They're going to heaven, no matter what. 
The Catholic Church teaches what the scriptures say, uh, who was called, was justified, was sanctified, uh, was glorified, so forth. Romans 8.29. The salvation is a process. And um, we're not... Peter says, now is our salvation nearer than ever it was before. We're not ultimately saved until we're in heaven. That's the final end of salvation, is when we are in heaven. And so we can say, once saved, always saved. But that won't happen until we're in heaven. You see, there's no... We have the freedom. Jesus said, the truth will set you free from what? Death and hell and Satan, yes. To what? To follow God. Not what we want. Not to do what we want, but to follow God. And how are we free to follow God if we're not free to turn from him? That's not freedom. So, yes. So we just have to help, you know, as you say, there are answers Protestants can, questions Protestants cannot answer. Uh, I couldn't have answered, and I taught through the scriptures as a Protestant. I couldn't answer those things either. Uh, I was even taught that human reason was fallen. You can't depend on logic, all of that. But these things start protestants and others and catholics thinking so they're good they're good jonathan for you to to pose those things to them god bless you for your call thank you dear we have a call from julie from pittsburgh pennsylvania are you there julie hi yes i'm here hi dear one go ahead with your question um my question is um I, I know uh, a, a lot of people aren't going to confession, and um, I always wonder if it's because it's been so many years, mm-hmm. how can they possibly remember mm-hmm. all these sins? And and I think that it just overwhelms them. Oh, and sure. so what what do we tell those people mm-hmm. how they can how they how they can move forward and 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 go ahead and go to confession and I guess what do you, what can we tell them? Well, I ask them a question. I say, what if you now it could be a man or a woman. There'll never be a woman priest. There'll never be women priests. So forget that one. But I'm let's say it is a female that you're talking to. Man or female, I'd say, now, St. Therese of Lisieux wanted to be a priest. If I were a man and God had me, I'd want to be a priest. But there's no women in the priesthood, so forget that one. But for this example, I'd say, let's say, um, you wanted to be and God called you to be a priest. Let's say that. You lived for God. You lived for the salvation of souls. And let's say there was a very timid, broken soul who had not been to confession for 50 years and really wanted to come back to God, really wanted to confess, didn't want to live in the fear of hell and all of that, but didn't know where to begin, was completely ashamed that he would shock the priest or she would shock the priest and didn't know how to even mouth the sins that that he or she would have committed and didn't know where to begin, and couldn't remember them all anyway, and the whole thing was overwhelming. Let's say you were that priest, I say to the person. What would you say? What would you do? You would want to do everything you could to help that lost soul come to confession. You see? Because you would have a heart, if you were a priest, you would have a heart of compassion for every lost sheep. And you would want nothing to stay in the way. Your heart wouldn't be one of judgment. It would be one of compassion. And so I would say to a person like that, picture it the other way. Is there any soul, if you were a priest, 
and God forgave your terrible sins, but you're forgiven, and now you're a priest. And a, and a lost sheep comes to you and says, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. It's been 50 years since the confession. I've committed three murders and five cases of adultery, and I've lied, and I've stolen, and all of this. And he's come to come back to God. And you are God's, uh, you are in the person of Christ in that confessional. What would you do? Get out of here, you sinner. No, you'd say, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven you. If they've, you know, if they have a, a repentant heart and all that, and I don't think they're going to have that if they come to confession after. I think they will have that repentant heart if they come to confession. So um, I would say to someone, um, you have no idea of the heart of a priest. Uh, the, recently there was an interview of Father Richard Heilman, um, who is pastor of St. Mary's Church in Pine Bluff, Wisconsin. And he was interviewed by Taylor Marshall on his program. And Father Heilman was describing uh, his confessional. And he said he has confession 24-7. And Taylor Marshall says, how can, 24-7? He said, yes. He put a hole in his rectory door or office door. I forget where it's located. But he put a hole and a window with a screen so he cannot see who's on the other side. And anybody can come any time of the day and ring that bell, three in the morning. It doesn't matter. And he will, he will go and hear that confession. That's the heart of a priest. That is the heart of a true priest. And I want to tell you, I happened to be on the phone with Father Heilman yesterday. And we were having a wonderful conversation. And then all of a sudden, I heard a bell. And I, I didn't remember his interview with Taylor Marshall. And he said, I have a confession. And I thought he was going to make a confession to me, not his sins, but something that he wanted to retract or tell me. And then he quickly said, almost panicking, I have a confession, Sister, bye. And I said, oh, my goodness, God bless that priest. That was the confession bell at his door in the middle of a sentence, in the middle of a conversation, in the middle of his sleep. He goes and responds to that bell for that soul. Tell someone those stories and tell them God will meet them there, and they will be forgiven. Don't worry about what they haven't uh, remembered. Just say, for all the sins I haven't remembered, I am very sorry. The priest will help you. The priest will help you with that confession. God bless you, beloved. Um, We'll see you tomorrow. There's our closing music. I don't like that music, Um, but we'll see you tomorrow. Love God. Speak and live the truth. See you tomorrow.